Hey guys, this is Anthony, aka Decade Later. Today's episode is going to be a really cool one. Uh, we're going to be talking with Nicholas Wildstar, former California Libertarian governor candidate and one of my favorite people to follow on Instagram. He's insightful, he's thoughtful, he's liberty minded. Let's sit down and have a good chat with Nicholas Wildstar. One, we are live here on each coast, east and west, with Governor Wildstar, Nicholas Wildstar. How are you today? Fantastic, bro. How about yourself? I cannot complain. It has been such a whirlwind year for you, man. Uh, I, I got in touch with you last year uh, as I was out of the States and seeing a really vibrant, viable, well-spoken, driven libertarian candidate out of California. That is just plain ridiculous. It, behind enemy lines, uh, you, you just <laughs> punches and it really brought a breath of fresh air to the political scene. Um, what was your motivation for jumping into the political scene? Well, me just being inspired to want to help my fellow man. I know as corny as that may sound, you know, <laughs> uh, that is what the majority of politicians supposedly uh, say it is what inspires them to want to get involved in politics. It's rare that we actually see that actually, you know, get expressed once they do get elected, unfortunately. Um, but I'm a genuine person with genuine aspirations, and I, I was hoping that that um, you know genuine personality of myself would show, and and people would vote for that. You know, finally want to vote for a good guy instead of one of the lesser of the two evils. So um, I started to get involved in political activism first in my community. You know, want to help. Um, the homeless people in my community, my wife and I, we would go out and help feed, you know, um, those that are more, less fortunate, you know, um, and do our best to go out and protest and get involved in rallies against, you know, abuses of authority by police officers and, you know, abuses of, you know, media by uh, the mainstream media, you know, and our totally. government. So uh, just hearing these different problems and issues during the Occupy movement, you know, uh, just kind of inspired me to just want to get involved more so in my community. So um, that inspired me to then want to pretty much focus that energy on political change. And that's why I then turned my, um, my eyes towards running for office. Awesome. That's so cool. And I, I, every, like you said, like everybody says that's their motivation and then they get into the mud and it's so weird because like when I was down in Colombia uh, we had a big election last year it was for the successor of mm. the peace era and we had an extreme left and we had an extreme right running in the final end and I was an international observer for the elections in one of the what people would say one of the poorest barrios of Bogota like my wife was like I've never been down there and I'm like where else to be <laughs> you know um, right. and 
you see that corruption, you see that uh, the, the manipulations and the gaming of the system. And there were two girls from that area. It was called uh, Ciudad Bolivar, Fontebon, Bosa, Kennedy. These areas, these two young girls joined into the observation crew. Mm-hmm. And when the candidate they wanted to win didn't win, they were just so, just have this air let out of the sails. Yeah. And I told them, like, you did something today. You did, you don't wait for the next election. Get involved. This is just your foot in the door of political change. And so much happens between election days that it's more important, like you helping the people in your community. Elections determine who sits on the, on the seat of power. But who gives that power are the people day to day to day right. and how the community it, it works. Um, where, how, how did you start into this? What, what was your earlier life like pre, pre-politics? What, what was life <laughs> like for, for Nicholas Wildstar? <laughs> well, I was actually focused more so on the career in music. I mean, uh, I moved out to California from Milwaukee, Wisconsin at age 17 and um, yeah, right after high school, I was like, forget it, I'm out of here. But uh, it was more so because, uh, you know, during my early teenage years, I started to get involved in music and in the underground music scene in Milwaukee and uh, started to get a name for myself there locally to where, you know, people were like, hey, you need to take your, uh, you know, your talents big time. And um, I actually have a relative that lives out in California and lives out here. And he invited me to move out after high school. So I took him up on that offer. And here I am, been here ever since. But uh, yeah, between that time and when I got involved in politics, I just was involved in music. And um, one of the few things that I learned being a musician is you kind of have to kind of... um, Think about what you want out of your art, you know? And a lot of people, they preemptively get involved in polit- or whatever music because they just look at the glitz and glamour and fame and fortune, and that's what they want. So they'll say anything, do anything to get that. But then, of course, consciously, it's always going to dawn on you what is the affect of your art? What's the result of that? especially being a rap artist, because you're supposedly the voice of the street, you know, a spokesman, so to speak. Um, So um, taking up up that mantle, uh, you know, as a musician, I was asked by a producer that I was working with that time, he asked me, you know, what do I want from my musical career? And it was (laughs) a bit of existential, because it made me think about what is it that I really wanted for my music, you know? And it wasn't to be a rich superstar. It was more so just to be heard, you know? And and then that took an even deeper level because then from why I wanted to be heard, it depended on what I was saying, you know? And um, of course, if I wanted to reach the audience that I wanted to, you know, branch out to and uh of course it would have to be 
matter of me expanding that message to be broad enough to capture those minds, those hearts everywhere, pretty much. So um, yeah, that's when I guess my music started to take a, a, a more of a political shape, uh, a political um, themed, uh, you know, uh, I guess expression to it. And uh, I guess that's when I started to embrace the more rap, raptivist type of a term because I, I felt like it was my duty then to start using the microphone to start bringing attention to the bigger things that were going on in our world, you know, that we pay less attention to, you know, that we rely on our politicians to fix, but we don't, you know, and then we put the reliance on our, you know, celebrities to fix, but they don't, you know, because we're expecting all of these people to be leaders exactly. of their community. And, um, you know, that's a lot to demand for any person, no matter who they are. You can be a, um, you know, a, a carpenter or, you know, a plumber, or, you know, <laughs> a teacher for yeah. that matter. You know, if you're demanded to step up to the plate and be that pillar of the community to be an example for others to then, you know, um, to then duplicate and follow in the footsteps of, then that's quite a, a, a you know, a, a weight to bear on your shoulders. So um luckily i was a i'm a natural born leader you know <laughs> so i really took it all in stride and still do you know and i kind of feel like that's my place in life and um once i kind of focused on that that's why i chose to run for governor of all things instead of running for you know councilman or uh, city council or you know, assembly or senate or something like that is because um, there's only one governor, there's only one president, mm -hmm. you know, and that person, their job mainly is just to be the spokesman of the majority, you know, the majority of people that live within that, within an area, you know, no matter what their demographic may be. So um, um, <clears throat> we put these people, these one, you know, selected individuals to put in it into that position to supposedly, um, you know, take all of our issues, all of our problems and fix them somehow. And rarely do we often see a person that actually does that. You know, I don't think in my day and age, you know, I, I have, and you know, um, it's sad to say, but we don't really see many leaders and those that we do see get suppressed, you know, like Dr. Ron Paul, like Malcolm X here, you know, and for somebody to go from the bottom to the top and still not have the recognition that they need to create that revolutionary change that we're all hoping for is disheartening. Like what you said, that story about, you know, uh, the girl in, the Bogota, you know, it, it's, it sucks. And that's how we feel as a community when we, the peop people, come together and we say, we want change, we desire this change, and we put a person in a position to make that change happen and they don't. And why don't they? The reason being is because we're asking them to do something that's impossible. You know, it's up to us, you know? <laughs> 
Really, they just need to make sure that they're doing their job, which is to make sure that other people that, that we hire in other positions do their job, you exactly. know? And that's why it's called a constitutional republic, you know? And um, it's kind of like we have to be educated again as Americans because we're not taught any of this in school. You know, we're not taught about the Constitution. We're not taught about the Bill of Rights. We're not taught about posse comitatus and this application to, you know, um, policing in our state. We're not taught about law, you know, and common law and commercial law. And, you know, we're not taught about these things. And mm -hmm. it's sad because it's most imperative to our existence here as citizens, as residents in this country. Um, especially if we want to claim to be free. Absolutely. And you took, as we mentioned, you took the steps to rise up to be a leader in your community in uh, your 2018 campaign. Uh, what did you learn most from it? Uh, obviously, you were not in the mainstream of candidates. My wife always asks me this. She's like, because she's learning the process and eventually will become a citizen. So you only have two parties in the U.S. And I'm like, no, no, no. We have many more, but there are these kind of constraints and you fall in line into one or the other, but even within those, you have your own little divisions. Um, being a third party candidate in California, tell us a little bit about that experience. Uh, well, it was, it's definitely been unique. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's had its difficulties, but yet at the same time, it's had its, um, its um, you know, uh, I would guess tremendous accomplishments because where third parties actually win, uh, mainstream parties don't. They think they have the people simply because of their allegiance to red or blue, Republican or Democrat. But when it boils down to principles, people are more torn than you think, you know, um, with regards to abortion. Um, say, for example, you know, the people that I speak with, you know, they may be against abortion, but yet at the same time be pro-women's rights. So, that's where then I get to come in as a libertarian and I say, well, hey, if you want to uh, respect the woman's liberty to choose what she wants to do with her body, whether it be having an abortion, whether it be, um, uh, you know, getting into the uh, sex, you know, industry, whether it be, you know, um, you know, multiple sex partners or who hurt sex partner may be, male or female, the sex mm -hmm. of that sexual partner, whatever the case may be, then we as people need to just allow the woman to be, and, and just as we want to be. Mm -hmm. So um, when you can kind of draw these lines for people, then they, they tend to shift their, their ideals from, okay, maybe I'm not just a Republican, or maybe I'm not just a Democrat. I, I can see how I'm outside of that box. And then that's when you kind of stamp them, well, hey, don't attach yourself to either one of those labels. Think, you're, think of yourself of all, always being as an independent voter, okay? You can get in a voting booth and vote for a Republican, Democrat, 
Libertarian, Green Party candidate, you know, whoever, whoever the case may be, you know, totally. uh, a no party candidate. But as, a, as voters in this country, we just need to start looking our, at ourselves as being independent thinkers, opposed to being uh, people that are motivated by parties, you know, um, because it's a packed mentality. And when we get locked into that, because we're thinking it's only one or, you know, two choices, it's, it's like a football team. You know what I'm saying? When you have 27, 28 football teams, you know, it's, it's easier to be like, you know, I, I'm sick of those guys. I'm going to switch to these guys, you know? Yeah. And then you root for them for a year. And if they win and, you know, keep winning and you're on their team, but if they lose, then you're like, okay, I'm switching to these guys. <laughs> but, you know, when it comes to political parties, people just feel trapped between thinking it, I must be one or the other. So when they stick with the one, win or lose, that makes it um, that makes it a tremendous, you know, um, what would it be? A tremendous kind of uh, what is it? Uh, what is it that I'm trying to say? It would be a misjustice to the rest of us. Exactly. You know? Yeah. It, because you're not focusing on what really matters. You're only focusing on you know, oh, I got to go with my team, mm -hmm. period. And it, it's sad because we all suffer because of that, you know, because we are relying on those people that we get elected for their term, whether it be two years, four years, whatever the case may be, to during that time make some change. And then when they don't, we, you know, uh, just say, okay, well, we are apologetic to them for not achieving that. And we're sympathetic to that. So we say, all right, we'll give them another shot, you know, and <laughs> exactly. then they go again for another four years and nothing happens. So it's just awful because at some point we got to draw the lines. And I really think uh, at some point we got to revolutionize together as a community to say, how do we achieve that? And it's only going to be by making a, um, a shift to support a, th a third party candidate, no matter who they may be, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so I, I saw a lot of that uh, flourish a lot during my candidacy, during, um, you know, the 2018 primary or whatever for the gubernatorial race. But mm -hmm. as a libertarian party, it was also an, a unique experience because I ran in 24 14 as an independent, then ran in 2018 as a libertarian. So uh, those were two different dynamics there because, of course, the Libertarian Party, with it being the third largest party in the nation, you know, mm -hmm. compared to the other two, um, I definitely had a lot more exposure sure. than I did, you know, as an independent candidate. But yet at the same time, I still had to deal with a, being affiliated with a political party. Exactly. Which, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, no matter what the political party is, it's still a political party. You know, exactly. It's still going to have its hierarchy and, you know, its dogma. And unfortunately, it's individuals involved that would like to steer the direction of the party in their own way. So, um, you know, coming in as an independent minded person, you know, I had to kind of. Uh, find my way, so to speak. <laughs> exactly. And actually, in 2016, uh, during the Libertarian Party uh, convention, where Bill Weld and Gary Johnson were nominated as the 
uh, vice president, president uh, candidates uh, in that in that order. Uh, one of my good friends, James Weeks, uh, made his well famous protest of oh, yeah. his <laughs> thong striptease, right, right. much to the dismay of the less independent minded individuals. <laughs> Uh, but I was just so, I was watching from abroad. My vote wasn't going to count for anything because I didn't have a state. I was an independent voter independent, internationally. And I was just like, that, that's the heart of libertarianism <laughs> is James. And I'm so, it was so cool to see my friend on there that way. Um, to kind of turn to a, a little <laughs> bit more uh, somber note, um, those who have been following you for any period of time know especially uh, the story of Stefan Clark and the grave injustice that's taken place in terms of the actions that led up to that, the event that took uh, Stefan's life and uh, the, I, I, I want just, I'll call it what it is, miscarriage of justice regarding the investigation. This is been a very passionate cause for you and for for those who don't know about it if you could explain and, and bring some light to this especially for those in the state of california yeah absolutely a lot of people may not have heard unfortunately still that uh there was a gentleman um last year and um he was shot and killed by the police in sacramento uh, in his grandparents' backyard. This was a 22-year-old black man. He was shot and killed uh, eight times. <laughs> eight, uh, pretty much the police shot at him 20 times, but eight of those bullets struck him after the autopsy was done. But they thought he had a gun. He actually had a cell phone. And <laughs> it's unfortunate that this happened. You know, it, it's one of those you know, uh, another cases of, um, you know, black men getting shot and killed by police in the inner cities. And, um, but was, what was significant about this case in general was, you know, that they tried to paint this individual as being someone who he wasn't, yeah. you know, and we continue to see that happening with these shootings, with these police shootings afterwards is, Next thing you know, in the news, they're trying to say, oh, they were a thug, they were, you know, committing a robbery or whatever the case may be, mm -hmm. opposed to just focusing on the, the act itself, the crime itself, um, the murder itself. Exactly. And um, once this happened, there was, you know, disruption in the city and his brother, Stevante Clark, he actually led a few protests there in the city and um, stormed the city uh, city council meeting where they were conducting, I guess, uh, normal city council mm -hmm. duties. <laughs> uh, but this was disrupted by Stevante and a, a few other people that were um, supporters of the Black Lives Matter movement. And um, when I saw that, I was really inspired by him because I, I I continually look for black males out there that are inspired to make that change. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we need to come together collectively like the civil 
rights leaders of the past, you know, to make that change, especially if we want to see it happen in our black community, we have to step up as black men and be those examples for mm -hmm. everyone else, you know? So um, seeing him do that kind of <laughs> excited me because I'm like, oh, I, I got to meet that guy, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but I, I did end up meeting him and uh, we worked together during the campaign. He uh, was helping on my campaign and helping me get more known around the city of Sacramento, which was great. Awesome. Um, but yet at the same time, um, you know, we had that uphill battle with, you know, making that change politically that mm -hmm. he wanted and he needed and his family needs in order to achieve, you know, justice for the loss of their family member, Stefan Clark, you know, and um, unfortunately, you know, that was rested on my shoulders as a potential candidate for governor, you know? And when I didn't deliver that as a candidate, you know, the hope kind of dissipated in a sense. But of course, it was a long shot to begin with, sure. but yet at the same time, um, it helped propel him uh, and give him momentum to then get involved politically himself. So now he's a candidate running for mayor of Sacramento. And um, he's actually been appointed to uh, a, a committee to disperse funds under a city measure to collect taxes there in the city, which I'm against. <laughs> I'm yeah. always against collecting taxes. <laughs> but you know, if it's spent well, then that's a whole other story. Mm -hmm. So he's on the committee to make sure that it is being spent well in the community to help you know, those people where it's sh should matter the most, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and um, I, I really feel like that if more people focused on these shootings like this, because also as a result from that, uh, the district attorney decided not to press charges against the two officers that shot him. So they yeah. get away with murder and now it's on the, um, you know, on the de uh, Department of Justice shoulders to press charges, which most likely, you know, even if they will, they're not going to do anything and that'll, you know, go away too. Yeah. So justice won't ever be served in that aspect uh, until we make that change politically. He knows that, I know, know that, you know that, mm -hmm. we know that, you know, it's just a matter of, again, shifting the people that are in office right now with those individuals that need to be there to make that change happen. Yes, they may be first time politicians, but that makes it the best thing about it because they're not going to be um, attached to any specific, uh, you know, uh, group or organization. Their best interests are going to be your interests especially if they're a no party candidate or a third party candidate, you know, because they have a lesser chance to actually get into office. So they're not going to be saying anything and everything just to get your vote. They're, they're actually the, the, um, the salesman selling you the truth opposed mm -hmm. to the salesman selling you the lie. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we've gotten so used as a population to being sold the lie that we don't listen to being so, sold the truth anymore, exactly. you know? 
So when that guy comes along, we're like, eh, that's just a pipe dream. I don't believe that. I, I, I continue, continually told people um, since 2014, okay, I started to tell people, and soon enough, you'll have automated cars to mm-hmm. where we won't need a driver's license. So at a point, driver's licenses <laughs> will be obsolete, pretty much. Because why? You'll have a robot car driving you around everywhere. And look at what's happening. Our society is slowly but surely shifting to an automated you know, um, car driving society. Mm-hmm. This will happen in the next 10 to 20 years. And when it happens, what's going to happen? Are we going to be prepared for it? You know, and, and changes happen. When changes happen, they happen suddenly. You know, we went from burning CDs to, you know, now downloading MP3s. You didn't even know it, but the, the, the last time you burned a CD was the last time you burned a CD and you didn't even know it. <laughs> You know, <laughs> but when that change happened, it happened suddenly, it happened quickly, and you adapted to it. And that's what needs to happen to us politically. We need to start um, focusing on making those changes quickly and um, adapting to them when they happen, especially if they're for the better. Absolutely. And this is something that when I was in college, uh, shout out to my old professor and mentor, Dr. Derek Yonai. He's a UC Irvine graduate. George Mason uh, got me really started into the world of libertarianism and uh, Australian economics. Um, He proposed in one of my graduate classes about the, the nature of entrepreneurship. And it's not setting up a business. It's not necessarily starting a a lemonade stand when you're a kid. It's having a new idea and willing to sacrifice anything to make that idea become a success. So honestly, like looking at like you with your music career, uh, politics, uh, community activism, uh, these are entrepreneurial measures, and especially uh, the sacrifices that come with it. Obviously, in the, these past few weeks have been just outrageous in terms of this uh, type of uh, political entrepreneurship. Uh, Julian Assange uh, getting kicked out of the Ecuadorian embassy, possibly being extradited to the U.S. for his doing what he thought was right. Uh, Nipsey Hussle uh, just totally transforming his community and being gunned down horribly for such um do you ever it it, does your family your friends uh, obviously those in your life do they ever tell you you know nicholas you're you're crazy for doing this you gotta (laughs) keep your mouth shut you gotta calm down a little bit and and how do you how do you balance that, the, the, the risk reward of doing the right thing? Oh, yeah, it's always a gamble, but that's how gambles work. High risk, high reward, you know, and anyone that's ever flourished in any industry will tell you that, you know, you, you got to go big or go home. You know, mm-hmm. we, we familiarize ourselves with these sayings, but how often do we actually apply them to our day to day lives? You know, and it's it's crazy because a lot of people want to be successful, but they 
um, don't want to do what it takes to be successful. And what that takes is a lot of focus. You know, you have to drop those stupid things in life that prevent you from getting a step forward, whether, no matter what it may be, you know, you, you could think some small thing as being a crutch, but once you remove that crutch, what happens, you know, but a lot of people are afraid to make that change. Uh, it, it's sad. And um, me personally, I've always been one of those people where I'm quick and sudden to make those changes just to see if I can be successful at, at whatever it is that I'm seeking. Just like moving from Milwaukee to California, you know, <laughs> without knowing anybody, yeah. you know, I was born and raised there. And then I come all of, uh, all of uh, a sudden to California, a place I've never been before, you know, and um, I've had much more successes than I've ever, uh, ever dreamed that I ever could have had. But it took me first having to leave a place that I was extremely familiar with to go somewhere completely foreign. You know, um, it, it took me having to step outside of what I knew was normal and what I um, was comfortable, you know, being around and being in that environment and doing something different, challenging myself. So, um, my family and friends always, you know, they if they know me, they know me well and they know this of me. So, you know, of course they're going to say I'm crazy for doing all of this, but, uh, you know, um, but at the same time they know me. So they, they're supportive of, you know, everything that I seek to do. And uh, that's the best part is, you know, having a, a group behind you that is supportive, you know, that maybe they may not be financially, you know, Maybe they may be emotionally, you mm -hmm. know, maybe they may be physically, you know, where they're like pushing you out there, like going out there with you to hit the streets, pound the pavement, you know, pass out flyers, you know, you'll, you'll have everybody in your corner in some sort of a way. So um, you can't really nitpick, uh, you know, to kind of uh, find somebody to be perfect. That's where I, I myself have, kind of had to let go on uh, having, you know, perfect what's going on with my, with my pursuits is, you know, wanting somebody to be complete in everything that I desire for them. And I just let that go, you know, and the more I let that go, the more I started to see completion of what I wanted from a multitude of people, you know, so, um, even with right now, you know, I have videos on YouTube. You know, one of the videos I have right now that's a, a viral video is me going into court and challenging the judge's jurisdiction, you know, <laughs> and I, I never thought it would, you know, reach a million plus views or whatever the case may be. But hey, because I did it and I actually showed people, hey, this is something that you need to know yourself, information that you need to know, and something that I myself am risking doing by making a video in court, you know, where they always put aside, do not record in court. Mm -hmm. And I'm standing there in front of the judge with my cell phone, you know, <laughs> recording him face to face, 
So yeah, you kind of have to be brave and courageous in order to um, to uh, make those successes in your own life, but in others' lives as well. And I think any leader knows that. You know, any person that wants to be a leader in their own life knows that. You know, you don't have to lead millions of people. You can lead one person, and that's mm -hmm. good enough. You know, um, I feel like what I did with Devante and helping shape and mold him in the small little time that we work together, you know, is going to help others, millions of others, you know. So in helping one, I've helped an infinity of people, you know, an infinity of people all over the world, you know. <laughs> and I, I think that's really how we got to start looking at helping each other in the community, you know. It Absolutely. takes a village to raise a child, right? Totally. I, I was raised in mostly in the American South and I'm not used to really big cities. So coming back into the greater Boston area, it's kind of nice because not so many people. Bogota has 10 million. Mm -hmm. uh, but people in the Massachusetts area are never really seen as super friendly. So if you are paying it forward, they're just taken aback a bit. They're right. like, whoa. But, you know, like they say, it's, it's easiest to notice the light in the dark. you mm -hmm. you got to shine your way through. Um, Governor Wildstar, Nicholas, what are your 2019 plans? What What's coming up? What What's big? Because you got to keep going. got to keep this momentum going. Absolutely. Well, it's funny that you're talking about, you know, business, because I really feel like that's what's the next step for me is my entrepreneurial endeavors, you know, because I, I feel like uh, a lot more people will take me seriously and, and what I want to achieve politically if I can prove myself as a successful businessman. So that's my goal for 2019 is to establish myself as exactly that. Uh, get money. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what it is, man. Money talks. And unfortunately, when it comes to politics, the more money that you have, the more people actually listen to what you have to say. So if I want to be taken seriously, if I want to be heard, um, when I run again for governor in 2022, I'm going to take this amount of time between now and then to uh, gain as much amount of, of wealth as possible. So I can do exactly that and be heard in 2022. But um, this year I am having a baby. So Congratulations. <laughs> I, uh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. <laughs> so I, I want to focus on, you know, raising my child to be, you know, have a little fun, um, you know, raising my family. And uh, yeah, because first things first, man, is uh, taking care of home. And Absolutely. If we aren't sound individuals, how can we go out there and be sound with others? You know, mm -hmm. uh, you have to be um, healthy mentally and physically first before you can go out there and expect others to be healthy themselves. So, and um, yeah, I, I, one thing I learned during the 2018 campaign for governor was. You know, I can run myself ragged trying to, you know, help others. But at the same time, I, I have to be able to help myself because if I'm not healthy and then how can I go out there and help other people? 
Mm-hmm. You know, so um, my wife is a, a very important part of that. You know, she's like my backbone. So <laughs> I got to make sure that she stays strong to keep me strong. You know, and uh, now that we're having a baby, we definitely want to make sure that our baby is strong. So um, once our family, you know, is strong, then we'll be able to provide that strength to the rest of the world. And hopefully again in 2022, like I said, so definitely keep your eyes peeled. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Nick, where can people find you? Uh, I know your Instagram is one word governor wild star yeah. uh do you have any other social accounts you want to blast uh yeah my facebook is governor wild star at governor wild star also still have my uh 2018 campaign running uh page running so that's at wild star 2018 on facebook as well it's more so just more like a libertarian activism page at this point but uh yeah and then um of course I'm on Twitter, uh, the real Q ball at the real Q, the letter Q B A double L, and uh, on YouTube, of course. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel. You could just, you know, YouTube Governor Wildstar and subscribe to my channel, and of course, visit my website GovernorWildstar.com. That's GovernorWildstar.com. I don't, you know hyphenate anything or you know put it into any abbreviations a lot of people ask me that they're like is it governor i'm like no you know (laughs) is it the real t-h-a i'm like no it's the t-h-e real you know cue ball so um yes please connect with me and um be sure to help spread the words this is a grassroots effort you know and uh we are the revolution we are our own you know, media. So please definitely be sure to share this video with everyone as well and help spread the word. That's what it takes. Word of mouth. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on Sales and Stanzas. Uh, Everybody stay tuned. We got a special musical performance by none other than Governor Wildstar himself. (laughs) One of the first times we'll ever do this on the show. And you are always welcome on the show again. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate it, man. Hey, uh, God bless you and your family, man. I appreciate you taking your Easter Sunday to chat with me <laughs> uh, and, you know, with your wife traveling as well, um, you know, much love to her. And, um, you know, I hope you guys are able to resolve everything, you know, and stay together. That's what matters, man. We got to stay together here as as units, as people, you know, we got to unify. <laughs> so, <laughs> Definitely keep that tight, bro. Awesome. Thank you so much. A first for its kind in Sales and Stanzas, we actually have a guest who's going to be performing a musical performance. This is Governor Wildstar, a.k.a. Q-Ball, with his hit song on SoundCloud, What Would You Do, or WWYD. Caught me off guard, rolling up on the scene, the Bogart. Me mugging me to seem to be hard. But supposedly you're working for me. Peace officer, don't seem peaceful. Run a rough me up to lock me up to make peace though. My hands up, but his hands on his pistol. This is what I get for trying to visit Frisco. It ain't no better on the other side of the bay. Flake a five by one time today. Heard the
they killed another nigga, so what? But wonder why we run away when they seem to show up. Man, don't nobody give a damn if I died at the hands of this man. But what you need to understand is how a manhunt would be underway If I hauled off and killed this motherfucker today You see, what would you do if it was to happen to you? What would you do if it was to happen to you? What would you do if it was to happen to you? Cause nightmares can come true too You see, what would you do if it was to happen to you? What would you do if it was to happen to you? What would you do if it was to happen to you? Cause nightmares can come true too Bitch, genocide, it's genocide Switching the projectile to Mr. High. The people terrified while you're running high. The mama that cried for the son to die. The law that lied, it ain't no surprise. The law for the laws, open up your eyes. Slipping pies ain't easy when they connect. It's the same one that I leave you call to collect. And trust a boat, go as far as you could throw. That's why every single one has got to go. I know it seems crazy, but what's crazier is how cop killers just ain't lazy. What's it happen to you? What would you do if it was to happen to you? Cause nightmares could come true too. I'm saying, what would you do if it was to happen to you? What would you do if it was to happen to you? What would you do if it was to happen to you? Cause nightmares could come true too. Comply, die. Don't ask why, but when the sand is slain, when you know that's a lie, we let racist whites define how we should live our life. Now tell me how in the world is that right? Seems like we be banging in the wrong direction. Don't I had it right, my nigga? No question. A lesson learned is a lesson earned. These clones out here, they don't feel the burn. Go ahead with cracker. See my skin turn red, not blacker. Watch my eyes grow cold, that's a factor. About to blow like a nuclear reactor. Screaming out, fuck the police. Only to have it leave for me to be deceased. The nigga so big, he must be a threat. Lock him up, throw away the key with no regret. What would you do if it was to happen to you? What would you do if it was to happen to you? What would you do if it was to happen to you? Cause nightmares can come true too. Say, what would you do if it was to happen to you? What would you do if it was to happen to you? What would you do if it was to happen to you? Cause nightmares can come true too. You pay the man to lay hands on the man. You pay the man to lay hands on the man. You pay the man to lay hands on the man. You understand? You understand? Get it? You pay the man to lay hands on the man. You pay the man to lay hands on the man. You pay the man to lay hands on the black man. You overstand? You overstand? Keep it? You overstand? 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 This has been Sales and Stances. Thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, Quick thanks to all of our sponsors, including Paradox and Poetry for open mics, corporate events, and special events. Uh, Paradox and Poetry bringing you the best in modern poetic performance and insights. Wax Up Candles handcrafted 
and designed by Catalina Perez. Wax up candles for all your candle needs. And last but not least, Broken Glass. Brought to you by Nelly Gibran, French and English translation proofing and editing services. Broken Glass.